Chapter 10 of Ruth Fielding at Briarwood Hall. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Karina in New England. Ruth Fielding at Briarwood Hall or Solving the Campus Mystery by Alice B. Emerson. Chapter 10 Something More Than Ghosts. Helen pinched Ruth's arm. It was plain that her guards did not hold Helen as tightly as they did Ruth. And why was that, Ruth thought? Could it be possible that her chum had had warning of this midnight visitation? Not that Ruth felt very much fear of the outcome of the exercises, but the possibility that her old friend had kept any secret knowledge of the raid from her troubled Ruth immensely. Since they had come among the girls of Briarwood Hall, and that so few hours before, Ruth felt that she and Helen were not so close together. There was danger of their drifting apart, and the possibility troubled Ruth Fielding exceedingly. The thought of it now, however, was but momentary. Naturally, she was vitally interested in what was about to be done to her by the party of hazers. "'I am pained,' said the girls, sitting on the table, "'that one of the neophytes comes before us with a bigger mouthful than she can swallow. If she understands fully that a single word above a whisper, or any word at all unless she is addressed by the sisters,' will be punished by her being instantly corked up again. The gag may be removed. Do you understand, Neophyte? Nod once. Ruth, glad to get rid of the unpleasant mouthful on any terms, nodded vigorously. Immediately, her captors let go of her arms, and one of them pulled the stopper out of her mouth. Now remember, uttered the girl on the table warningly, a word aloud and the plug goes back. Helen giggled again, but Ruth didn't feel like laughing herself. Now, culprits, continued the leader of the hazing party, you must be judged for your temerity. How dared you come to Briarwood Hall, infants? Please, ma'am, whispered Helen, who seemed to think the whole affair a great lark. Our guardian sent us here. We are not responsible. You may not so easily escape responsibility for your acts hissed the girl on the table. Those who enter Briarwood Hall must show themselves worthy of the high honor. It takes courage to come under the eyes of Mrs. Tellingham. It takes supernatural courage to come under the eye of Picolet. If she wasn't out of the house tonight, you may believe we wouldn't be out of bed, murmured another of the midnight visitors, whom Ruth was quite sure was Belle Tingley. And I hope you make no mistake about that, miss, snapped the girl on the table. You went to her door and knocked and asked for the toothache dropped giggled another of the shrouded figures when she wasn't there i pushed the door open muttered the other girl i know she went out i heard the door open and shut half an hour before she's a sly one she is declared the girl on the table but enough of picolet it is these small infants we have to judge not that old cat we say they have shown temerity in coming to briarwood is it not so, friends and fellow members? Ahem! Is it not so? There was a responsive giggle from the shrouded figures about the room. Then punishment must be the portion of these infants, declared the foremost hazer. They claim that they were sent here against their will and that it was not reckless bravery that brought them to these scholastic halls. Let them prove their courage, then. What say the sisters? The sisters giggled a good deal but the majority seemed to be of the opinion that proof of the infant's courage should be exacted. 
Then let the golden goblet be brought, commanded the leader, her voice still carefully lowered. For even if Miss Picolet was out of the dormitory, Miss Scrimp, the matron, was asleep in her own room, likewise on the lower floor of the building. Somebody produced a vase, which had evidently been covered with bright gold foil for the occasion. Here, said the leader, holding the vase out to Helen, take this golden goblet and fill it at the fountain on the campus. You will be taken down to the door by the guards, who will await your return and will bring you back again. And remember, silence. The lights all around campus had gone out ere this. There was no moon, and although it was a clear night with countless stars in the heavens, it seemed dark and lonely indeed down there under the trees between the school buildings. Do not hesitate, infant, commanded the leader of the hazing party, nor shall you think to befool us, miss. Take the golden goblet and fill it and drink at the fountain, but leave the goblet there that we may know you have accomplished the task set you. This was said most solemnly, but the solemnity would not have bothered Helen Cameron at all had the task been given to somebody else. The thought of venturing out there in the dark on the campus rather quelled her propensity for giggling. But there seemed to be no way of begging off from the trial. Helen cast a look of pleading at her chum, but what could Ruth do? She was surprised that the task had not been given to her instead. She believed that these girls were really more friendly in feeling toward Helen than toward herself. At least, it was Mary Cox on the table, and Mary Cox had shown Helen much more attention than she had Ruth. Two of the sheeted visitors seized Helen again and led her softly out of the room. A sentinel had been left in the corridor, and the word was whispered that all was silent in the house. Miss Scrimp was known to be a heavy sleeper, and the French teacher was certainly absent from her room. The girls led Helen downstairs and to the outer door. This opened with a spring lock. The guards whispered that they would remain to await her return, and the new girl was pushed out of doors with nothing over her nightgown but a wrapper and only slippers on her feet. Although there was a little breeze now, it was not cold, but it was dark under the trees. Ruth, who could look out of the windows above, wondered how her chum was getting on. To go clear to the center of the campus with that vase and leave it at the foot of the figures surmounting the fountain was no pleasant experience, Ruth felt. The minutes passed slowly, the girls in their shrouds whispering among themselves. Suddenly there came a sound from outside, a pattering of running feet on the cement walk, Ruth sprang to the nearest window in spite of the commands of the hazing party. Helen was running toward the house at a speed which betrayed her agitation. Besides, Ruth could hear her sobbing under her breath. Oh, 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 you scared her half to death, exclaimed Ruth angrily as the girl seized her. Put in this stopper, commanded the girl who had seated herself on the table. And instantly the ball of rags was driven into Ruth's mouth again and she was held in spite of her struggles by her captors. Ruth was angry now. Helen had been tricked into going to the fountain, and by some means the hazers had frightened her on her journey. But it was a couple of minutes before her chum was brought back to the room. Helen was shivering and sobbing between the guards. Indeed, they held her up, for she would have fallen. What's the matter with the great booby? demanded the girl on the table. She... She says she heard something or saw something at the fountain, said one of the other girls in a quavering voice. Of course she did. They always do, declared the leader. Isn't the fountain haunted? We know it is so. 
This was all said for effect and to impress her, Ruth knew. But she tried to go to Helen. They held her back, however, and she could not speak. Did the neophyte go to the fountain? demanded the leader sternly. Helen, in spite of her tears, nodded vigorously. Did she drink of the water there? I I was drinking when I, I hurt somebody. The ghost of the very beautiful woman whose statue adorns the fountain, declared Mary Cox. If it were she, in a sepulchral voice. Ruth knew now why the story of the fountain had been told them earlier in the evening. But personally, she had not been much impressed by it then, nor was she frightened now. She was only indignant that Helen and she could be treated so. And by these very girls for whom her chum had conceived such a fancy, Helen was still trembling. They let her sit down upon her bed, and Ruth wanted to go to her more than ever and comfort her. But the girl on the table brought her up short. Now, miss, she exclaimed, you were the next. The first infant has left the golden goblet at the fountain. You did leave it there, didn't you, frayed cat? She demanded sharply of Helen. Helen bobbed her head and sobbed. Then, said the leader of the hazing party, you go and bring it here. Ruth stared at her in surprise. She did not move. Take out her gag, lead her to the door. If she does not come back with the golden goblet, lock her out and let her cool her temper till morning on the grass, said the girl on the table cruelly. And if she stirs up trouble, she'll wish she had never come to Briarwood. End of chapter 10